I am releasing this podcast with a very heavy heart. The guest on this podcast was a highly decorated and valorous leader in Indian police force and to our utter shock and disbelief he was brutally assassinated within few days of recording this podcast. This podcast is a tribute to his courage and service to the country. May God rest his soul in peace. Sir, we are very proud of you and we miss you dearly. Hello friends. A very warm welcome to another episode of Corporate Banters with DK. So far, I have been inviting guests from corporate world and hence in this episode, you are all in for a real surprise. I am going to introduce you to an IPS officer of 1992 batch of Jammu and Kashmir cadre. In my audience who doesn't know what IPS is, IPS stands for Indian Police Service. The person I am referring to by qualification is MBA, cost accountant, LLB, masters in disaster management. Hold your breath my friends, this is just an appetizer. The person sitting in front of me has received 13. Yes, you heard it right. 13 medals during his career. He has been recognized by President of India on more than one occasions. He has received gallantry medals on more than one occasions. Now, as is obvious, there is always a bit of secrecy around such a big profile and hence I will not get into specific details. Needless to say, I am currently in awe and you might find me stammering a few times during the episode. So please pardon me for that and understand my nervousness. Currently he is director general of prisons in the union territory of Jammu and Kashmir. So friends, let me introduce you to Mr. Hemant Kumar Lohia, a highest ranked police officer and recipient of multiple medals for his bravery, dedication and services to the nation. Sir, a very warm welcome to you and it's an absolute honor to have you on this podcast. A sincere thank you as well for making time out of your busy schedule for this podcast. Hello Deepak Hello, audience. I'm glad to be part of this podcast today evening, and I'm glad if I would be of any use to any of the audience today, or maybe who can listen it later on. It will be great pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. So let's get started. Tell us a bit about why did you choose IPS, and looking back, if given an opportunity again, will you choose to be an IPS officer again? Of course, sir. I have no doubt about that. Why I chose IPS initially? Because when you join service, you are not really in know of all the facts those are involved. But I'm glad I chose mm-hmm. IPS, mm-hmm. and given an opportunity, I'd like to start again with an IPS. Wow. Moving on to my next question, it's a service which requires utmost dedication towards the nation, without thinking about oneself. So, what keeps you motivated day in day out to have such a dedication? the fact that uh, we love our country and our country needs people who mm-hmm. can serve them who can serve the people without personal any personal attention or any personal motivation or any personal biases mm-hmm. we need people who can serve the country because india you know is a very vast country mm-hmm. with diversified population diversified terrain and multiple problems and multiple opportunities therefore so this is what keeps me motivating because at the end of the day when i sleep whenever i find time mm-hmm. i just go through the day that has passed by and see how many lives have i been able to touch mm. how many problems i have been able to solve and the motivation to keep going wow 
Now, why did you choose Jammu and Kashmir as your home union territory, if I may ask? The allotment of Qadar is slightly complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I can say, this is, you know, people who belong to one place and the resident of one place, only one-third of those people can go back to their state. This two-thirds have to be compulsorily outsiders. Okay. So in my case, there are not many seats available in the particular area in my home state, that is Assam. Mm-hmm. And so I was chosen randomly by computer to serve in Jammu and Kashmir. And to tell you the truth, I am happy. I must say I am lucky. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, everything works out so well, right? Over a period of time, it all equalizes, right? And yes. sometimes at that moment, we might feel dejected. But when in hindsight, we'll feel, oh, wow, what, what a great decision it turned out to be. Uh, absolutely, it's not uh, being dejected. It's you know when you don't understand the nuances, yeah, then everything comes as a shock to you or as a news to you. So, but at the end of the day, yes, I'm happy, very happy. Very nice. Wow. I will move on to my next question now. Approx, how many people work for you? Tell us few leadership skills you apply to manage such huge team, and also how you keep them motivated. See, in government, you have to deal with all kinds of people. You don't have a choice about them because there are various policies for providing employment. Mm-hmm. So people from under matric, matriculate, mm-hmm. graduates, mm-hmm. postgraduates, they come at different ranks. Mm-hmm. And uh, working with them as a team is at most important as mm-hmm. happens in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. But in the corporate world, you can hire and fire. Yeah. But in government, it does not happen that way. Mm. You can fire, but then there has to be a process that has to go through. Mm. And uh, to say the truth, or to say simply, I just say that I speak my mind up. Too much of liberty cannot be given. So therefore, you state your objectives and ask them how they can contribute to make our goals a single goal. And it works most of the time, because after all, they are also human. We require practical knowledge and that they have plenty. So all I would say, the leadership skill requires, it cannot be authoritarian, although we have lots of authority. Mm. And wherever required, it should be exercised without any doubt. Because if you see, in government, if you are trying to shield a person just on humanitarian grounds, the entire force gets demoralized. Mm. So you have to act, act very swiftly on those kind of aberrations. But more or less, people are compliant, people mm. understand, mm. and they are paid very handsome. So they cannot afford to lose their jobs mm. because it not only provides them good employment, mm. post-retirement also there are very good benefits which are available to them. Yeah. So you made a couple of points and I'll kind of rephrase what you said. Yes, I mean, you have a lot of authority, but there is no point in applying authority in, in all places. It's a question of exercising that judiciously. What is more important is basically setting the right vision and aligning all the people under you to align with that vision and work towards that vision. And that basically motivates the people to move towards that vision. True. This is quite similar to how the corporate also works. But one big difference which you mentioned earlier, which I, I think missed out is 
the different kind of people you manage like from undereducated or less less educated to highly educated people the mindset are very different it's like managing different personalities and more importantly i think it will come with a lot of diversity as well right i mean people from different parts of the country with different backgrounds and and different language skills and managing such a huge team will definitely create some different kind of challenges as well yes it does and generally how do you tackle those kind of challenges i have been blessed by this capacity to learn and pick up languages hmm so i can speak many languages and that helps that helps a lot because everybody as i said is not proficient in english or hindi yeah. the country is a huge country yeah so i can communicate with them so how many languages do you know <laughs> i can make around with 14 languages really 14 languages wow <laughs> my god that's a lot and all indian languages you know if you say gorkhali to be a foreign language i hmm. think that is the one language that i can speak hmm. but otherwise all indian languages wow 14 is huge and and how many uh, people approximately would be working for you like in terms of numbers give me an approximate number not necessarily it has to be a specific number so it is about uh, 100000 100000 people work for you yes wow incredible right <laughs> i think the largest team i have managed is perhaps 40 people and i knew the challenges of managing even 40 people <laughs> and you thought in 100000 wow incredible the geographical area too i managed the state of jammu and kashmir which is a huge huge geographical area so let's move on to our next question now one of the thing which is very common in the corporate world and and we have seen time and again is as we move higher up in the ladder there is a bit of impatience which creeps in and uh, and sometimes arrogance as well and i do understand position unintentionally brings such stress sometimes uh, while people might not intend to be impatient or arrogant but it just happens i have known you for a number of years you have a lot of patience and i've never seen even a hint of arrogance in you so tell me how do you keep grounded being in such a powerful position and managing 100000 people see it's not very difficult part of it obviously is your personality trait mm-hmm. but part of it has to be managed and that you can do through yoga exercises that helps a lot if you meditate mm-hmm. then all your energies are posted in one direction Mm-hmm. and secondly what i believe or what i always worked upon is systematic approach to work mm-hmm. i do not do work haphazardly there are times when my office work takes me around 8 to 9 hours there are times when i have just 3 hours of office work mm-hmm. but i have made it a principle i not keep my office work in for more than a week mm-hmm. this i keep for sundays especially mm-hmm. on issues which are pertaining to judiciary mm-hmm. or which are pertaining to departmental inquiries because mm-hmm. there you have to apply a lot of brains look at all the pros and cons mm-hmm. and be right politically judicially mm-hmm. as well as administratively mm-hmm. so those kind of work i generally keep for sundays but otherwise i never carry a work of one day to another day whatever with the time i clear it wow that's incredible again Wow. I'm learning a lot in this podcast trust me on that sir. You are in a profession which brings risk, right? You have to be on the field, you will be on risky assignment. Now what goes in your mind to take away that fear of unknown? 
basically how do you conquer that uncertainty and are focused on things at hand by, by, you see again it is just the professional acumen that you derive over a period of time mm-hmm. if your resources are at right place mm-hmm. and if you have been working nicely mm-hmm. then it will get flow to you mm-hmm. i've been ambushed maybe a dozen times during my career but without any harm Mm. For two reasons. Mm. One, I had some information about those ambushes and I was prepared, more prepared than usual. Mm. Secondly, God helps the people who are who are actually brave and who have done no wrong. I mean, this is my firm belief. Wow. So it's a question of preparation. It's a question of being proactive about the situation and taking a calculated risk. Yes. And then, of course, the divine intervention. Yes. Because I recall a time when uh, I carried out an operation during mid-December it was, mm. and the challenge that came my way was very unique. Three mm-hmm. militants, they were into a village, a remote village, mm-hmm. and uh, we got information as we were laying cotton around that village. Mm-hmm. They took three to four civilians along with them and took wow. shelter in a mosque. Oh my God. Now, my challenge, I brief to my people, there are three challenges that we have right now. Number one, the hostages should be released, got released unharmed. Mm. Secondly, no harm should come to mosque because it's a place of worship. Third, we should be able to neutralize all three terrorists in that order. Mm. And we planned it. And mind you, it took 46 hours of siege to get them, I mean, all the three objectives were achieved. And wow. how we did it was adopting certain innovative methods. Mm-hmm. We sent them food because food had to be sent, otherwise they were threatening to kill the hostages. Mm. So we laced that food with laxatives mm. so that their body gets slow. Mm. They are not able to react in the way that terrorists could do. Mm. We reduced the electricity supply so mm. that they were suffering from cold because it was intense cold. The mm. temperature there was minus 40 Celsius. Mm. So we reduced the electricity, forcing them to come to a single room. Mm-hmm. And the third thing that we did was we made two openings. One opening was lighted, mm. another opening was dark. Mm. And as their psychology is, they ran towards dark where an ambushing was shooting for them mm. and all neutralized. Wow. So it speaks volumes about the kind of meticulous planning which goes into in every operation because it's a question of life and death over there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It's not only you're putting the lives of yourself and your team at risk, it's also people who you don't even know who are at risk, right? Absolutely. And it's your job to basically not only protect the people whom you don't know, to protect your team, everybody else. So you brought forth a very good point. And I take pride in saying this. Under my leadership, I have dealt with hundreds of operations. And so far, I have lost just two of my men. Wow. Just two. That's really incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. And I must congratulate you as well. I mean, this is like fantastic. And, and it's not a short career. We're talking about almost 25, 30 years of career. Yes. yes. Right. So brilliant. 
Now, moving on from your professional life to a bit personal life. Now, as you were mentioning, your works are long hours. Like you had one operation which required you to be on the field for 46 hours, right? So definitely that means a lot of time away from family. How do you manage your work-life balance? It's not very difficult. You spend quality of time because I've never lived in quantity of time. I was not able to keep as is expected. Too much of time to my family, but whenever I was there or we were to visit, mm. we used to spend time together. Unfortunately, because of the risk assessment, my children and my family had to be away from me yeah. for about 10 long years. We stayed separately, incognito. Wow. But we kept going. Mm. We were there for each other. Mm. We were talking to each other. Mm. And we had faith in God. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, I'd just like to put across one point here. See, Everybody knows that the words, that the administrative system, be it corporate or be it government, is a hierarchical structure. Mm. Right? So the problem that causes in the work-life balance is your intentions to go ahead of others, mm-hmm. if required by pushing others. Mm. And it does cause a lot of stress in the person who is surging ahead. Mm. Because nothing in this world comes for free. Yeah. You have to pay a price. Yeah. Some people, you know, pay it immediately. Some people pay it later on. Yeah. So if you can maintain this in your life, if that God has given you a life, and you are just meditated to work honestly, and you will reach wherever you have to reach. You don't have to push. You don't have to shrug. You don't mm-hmm. have to actually, you know, backstep somebody. Applies to corporate as well as government. I've seen a lot of my friends in government. Mm. who have been after networking, who have been after making, you know, conduits to go through the system swiftly, mm. faster, mm. or so-called juicy postings, I have never even given a damn about that. I have said to the government, wherever you like to post me, I'll never go to anybody for my posting or any special feedback. Mm. Whatever is due to me has always come to me and I've made sure that it comes to me because I know my job, mm. you know, to you know, things done. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, in the pursuit of going higher and higher, we do pay a price and we don't realize it at that moment. We do realize it in hindsight. And and sometimes it's an expensive price to pay. I completely yes, agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Moving on. Now, Indian police service traditionally has been very male-oriented uh, uh, police force. What's your opinion on role of diversity in police force? And do you think, uh, or do you see that changing in future, or do you th- even in, in the present? See, we have uh, male female ratio, which is approximately 50%. Give or take a few percentages here or there. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, male female ratio, that would be someplace maybe it is 45 because of humanity side and things like that. Mm-hmm. But generally, God has been maintaining this balance of 50 50 uh, ratio. Now, moving on to something more fun side and about your fitness. You are a very fit person. So what's your fitness routine and how do you carve out time out of your busy schedule? See, as I told you, I do yoga, meditation and around 17 minutes of exercise. It's a combination of stretching, cardio and strength. Mm -hmm. So on an average, I'm able to do all this for 25 to 26 days a month. Wow. Because my entire exercise regime does not require going to any gym or any other place. Mm-hmm. I devise that routine on my own and wherever I am, 
wherever I am, I'm able to manage most of the exercises. And and you do that like for an hour, like meditation, so, yoga, no? Maximum 20 to 25 minutes is the time that I can afford. If I'm at leisure, then maybe 25 minutes. But generally, I do it for 20 to 25 minutes a day. Wow, that's awesome. That's incredible. I mean, 25 minutes and the kind of fitness level you have, <laughs> it's incredible. No, because I, I, I supplement that with proper dieting. Yeah. Um, it is simple to see. I mean, if you eat too much, then mm. that goes and it gets accumulated. And to digest that, you have to do that exercise. So why put so much into your body? You should provide your body only that much which is required. And that takes care of the fitness thing. Fantastic. And you're right. I mean, somebody have said that 70% is food and 30% is exercise, right? To maintain the health. So I agree. What would be your advice to IPS aspirants? Um, IPS aspirants, they are, you know, quite smart people. I mean, dumb people generally do not aspire to be an IPS officer. <laughs> the smart people who are there, who, who know the rigmarole involved into this, I would just say that if you want to come to this service, please come for service. If you want to earn money, there are many other opportunities. Don't waste your time and effort here. Because this is service essentially, not a recruitment or not anything else. That is my first advice to them. Second, if they come to the service, they should do justice to the people. Because, you know, lot of lot of hopes lie on their shoulders. Yeah. And if they do not perform, then not only the service gets discredited, the country goes back. Incredible advice. I completely agree. This is a service. It's not a place to earn money. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, that's all questions which I had for you. Uh, we'll move on to our rapid fire round before I summarize. So are you ready for the rapid fire round? Absolutely. One thing you love about Kashmir? Nature. Right. It's beautiful. I mean, there is no other place on earth like Kashmir. Yeah. At this altitude, you will not find, and not only altitude, mind you, it is latitude and longitude. There is no other place geographically available on this earth which can even come closer to Kashmir. It is God gifted. I mean, it's not that we, I, somebody should take credit for this mm -hmm. because we are sitting in Srinagar at 6,000 feet mm -hmm. and we have a valley which is 100 kilometers wide and about 300 kilometers long where a full-bodied boy plane can land at this altitude. There is no other place on earth. Wow. One thing you love about bureaucracy? Bureaucracy is like uh, solving problems. And uh, what I love about bureaucracy is Incredible power the government has bestowed upon bureaucracy. The only thing is you should use them judiciously for the advantage of people. And you can do wonders. I mean, I don't have to seek approval for anything. Everything is my constitution given to me. Got it. And I can make a difference. Wow. One thing which you would like to change about bureaucracy? A slight red tech, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, but that Actually, when it's from personalities, if I don't want to do any work, I can always raise a query, put a question. So, essentially, bureaucracy does not require much change. The mindset of the people who are coming into the bureaucracy, they should be a filter mechanism. And once they come in, there should be a regular assessment. Yeah, that's a brilliant point. 
as per you, what's the future of India? Oh, it's a great country and it is going to be, you know, I will not say number one because it's a number eight. Yeah. It will be right at the top. Sure. Wow. So I feel proud to be being an Indian. Absolutely. One lesson you would like to give to current generation to remember to succeed? Do your work honestly, wherever you are. I mean, there's no harm in trying. You should be motivated. Yeah. But in doing that, just keep in your mind right and wrong. And the very simple principle is what you are doing, if it happens to you, how would you react? Yeah. Any book recommendation? There are many. Just give us one, the latest one which you have read, which you want other people to read as well. Um, the old book that I read was uh, The Future Stock, Alvin Toffler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Future Crimes, that is again a very good details. And right now I'm, I'm going through a biography which goes by the name of Undaunted. Mm-hmm. By, it's basically written uh, for a young lieutenant of the army who was brutally killed by the terrorists. Okay. He was a young Kashmiri officer. Mm-hmm. And I'm right now reading that book. Wow. All right. That's all what I had for you, sir. I think this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. In fact, I'm finding it hard to summarize all the things which I've learned during the call. Creating the vision, following the heart, believing in the divine power, doing the service rather than thinking about the money, being proud of what you are doing and being calculated and systematic about the work which you're trying to do. So to get the work done, being proactive, using the authority judiciously, how to motivate 100,000 people under you. That's incredible to be honest. I'm still under shock that you manage 100,000 people, honestly. <laughs> and and of course, keeping yourself healthy, eating right. It has been a lot of learnings and, and I'm sure the audience is going to take a lot out of this. You have had a brilliant career. I mean, we are really proud of you and what you have done in your career so far. And I'm sure you're going to reach higher peaks in your career going forward as well. And again, thank you so much for your time. I know it is late in the night for you. So spending so much of time with us, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you, Deepak. You have been a wonderful host. And I must say that you have a way of getting mixed out. You, you know, how you put your questions will determine what answers are you going to get. So I'm really proud to have had this opportunity to interact with you. And we'll look forward to have another opportunity, God willing, soon. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Thank that. Thank you, audience, for bearing with me. Nobody is bearing it. Trust me. <laughs> they would have loved what you have said. So it has been really an incredible conversation. Thank you. Thank you.